morning. Welcome to Men Hurt 2, the series brought to you by Hashtag Coffee with Tea, a safe space where men get to share their truth. This episode is brought to you by Leader and Lover Podcast. How can a powerhouse woman under pressure tune into her pleasure? Can you be sharp in the boardroom and soft in the bedroom? Tune into the Leader and Lover Podcast hosted by Cherie Spigner, where she will discuss all aspects of Black women from having it all, relationships, career, status, religion, spirituality, love, and sex. Join the Leader and Lover podcast right now, streaming on all of your favorite platforms. If you want more information, go DM on Instagram, Leader and Lover. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Of course, every episode, I'm so excited to have a Black brother on here who was here to share his knowledge and his truth from his experiences, his education, and just life in general. Today, I am so excited to have Bishop DeAndre Salter. He's an author, a certified financial expert, a motivational speaker, and a businessman. He happens to be the youngest bishop in New Jersey. I'm so impressed. Welcome, DeAndre Salter. Hello. Hey, Trey. How you doing? Thanks for having me this morning. So glad to be with you. I'm good. I'm so excited. We were just talking behind the scenes, and that whole thing is going to be a whole nother episode, but we'll talk about <laughs> that later because the people need to hear that. And I'm just excited about you being here because, one, because your book and two, because where you came from. And I'm also very excited because the book is faith-based and it's practical. So when you mess the, mesh the spiritual with the practical, big things happen. A lot of times it's hard to understand, but you made it very practical. So the first thing I always ask my guests, my brothers is, tell me a little bit about your blueprint. Tell me about your relationship with your mother and your father. Uh, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. Oftentimes in doing these uh, things, we don't, we don't start there. So I commend you for starting with the journey. You know, my, I love my parents. My parents are great. Um, I'll start with my father. Uh, my father, um, my, my father is a descendant of like most of us sharecroppers grew up in rural South Georgia, moved up to New Jersey. He was actually chased out of Georgia by the Ku Klux Klan um, uh, who burned a cross on his lawn. And uh, his mother sent him up to Pittsburgh to be with his sister. Um, was educated in auto mechanics and opened up a auto body shop in Newark, New Jersey called Champs Auto Garage. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's a, it, it actually back in the day was a place where everybody went to get their cars fixed. And so I grew up kind of, you know, following around him uh, in the garage, you know, learning to change oil and do things like that. Very hardworking man. You know, the, I would say the prototypical black man of, of his generation, you know, worked hard, didn't, you know, didn't talk much, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and everything was toughness, you know, keep your head up, go out there. Um, but, and my mom was a beautiful soul. My mom, um, you know, person who, you know, had children early, but in her forties went back to get her college degree, uh, continued to get advanced degrees, um, was a pastor for uh, 16 years in the city of Newark. In fact, uh, Mayor Cory Booker at the time gave her the key to the city of Newark for her GED program, uh, where she just educated hundreds of Newark residents and helped them you know, get into colleges and things and, 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 and you know, help them explore new opportunities. Uh, a, a strong woman of faith, incredible preacher. And she probably taught the greatest lessons on family things that I even have in my book. I mean, there are things, lessons that, you know, she taught like even about how we share. So me and my brothers, my brothers and sisters and I, we're very collaborative uh, in the sense of pooling our resources. Um, we've helped pay for each mm -hmm. other's education, each, each other, so into each other's houses. All that comes from sitting around the dining room table with mama 
who, when we did those little, you know, rake the leaves and shovel the snow, she would do this. She would say, guess what? 10% off the top goes to God. Everybody take your 10% out. And then she would go, now you all ate food and you had clothes. So we're going to take out some for the house, put it into the house pot. And then she wow. would say, then she would say, Trey, this, this to get you. She said, now give your brothers and sisters some. Wow. That's yeah. good stuff, Ma. I got to meet you. Is your mom still alive? Uh, praise God. She is. Um, you know, she's, she's had, you know, she had a, she literally has a miracle story. Um, you know, she was, she coded, but God brought oh. her back. Wow. I got to meet your mother. I love her because, you know, a lot of us in the, you know, in the black families who are, who are not raised in two parent homes, who are from the inner city. I am, I'm from a single parent home. My mom didn't know anything about money. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm glad you're here. Cause I need people to understand that some of us just don't know about money because the people who were before us didn't know about money, but I, it's so interesting to me that you talked about your brothers and your sisters. And cause I always ask about the parents. I never ask about the siblings, but that was real good information. So I love your mom. So you talked about how you got here by, you had to file bankruptcy. Let, let's start with that because people are like, oh, he's a, he didn't made millions and he did this. I like to start with how you go from filing for <laughs> bankruptcy to being 30 years old, obtaining wealth. Well, check it out. So I got into bankruptcy the way you said. Most of the models for money um, where I grew up uh, were, were not the greatest models for money. And a lot of it was you can't do what you don't know. And so uh, I you know, graduated college, thought that was the American dream, you know, go get a job. I got that little job, but I, I didn't know how to use my money. So I, I ended up charging up a lot of credit cards and I had student loan debt. And before you knew it, my little $21,000 a year salary back in the day was being consumed with debt. So uh, I talked to someone and they suggest I file bankruptcy. Again, didn't really understand what that was. Filed bankruptcy. Um, and uh, it was a low point in my life, but God, God gave me grace. I remember standing in the bankruptcy court tray and the judge said to me, you know, you're a young man and I want you to, I, I, I'm going to say this out because bankruptcy court is public. They put all your business in the street. Right. They, read, they read everything you're worth and everything you're not and every mistake you made. And the judge said to me, you're starting off your life in a terrible way. I don't mean to be harsh on you, but I need you to accept that you're worth less than nothing. That's what the paper says. And I need you to change that. That man challenged me. I went home Now I grew up in church. Now I'm, I'm gonna say this. I was one of them dudes that knew God, was familiar, grew up in a religious family, but I didn't know God. Mm. I knew God, but I didn't know God. And, mm. but I knew how to, because I grew up in the church, I knew how to pray, get a prayer through. So I got on my knees that night and said, Lord, I need you to do something with me. And God spoke to me. He said, listen, if you do what I'm telling you to do, I'm gonna prosper your career. I'm gonna prosper your finances. I'm gonna make you a model. I'm gonna set you up to be a model, but you gotta stick to the plan, son. And I received that in my heart. And I'm telling you, Trey, um, I had that work ethic from my dad that I spoke of. Faith without works is dead. So I, I had the faith. I believed in the word that the Lord spoke, but I had to work. And so I stopped doing the dumb stuff, started doing the smart stuff, started yeah. working hard and grew in the insurance industry to be one of the fastest uh, recognized young executives was 40 under 40 by the age of, you know, you know, 25. Right. And nine years, nine, 10 years later, um, I ended up starting my own business, an insurance brokerage firm, which is now the largest Black-owned insurance brokerage in America. We have offices in Baltimore, uh, Florida, and New Jersey. And, and I became net worth, 
not not income, but my net worth went from being worth less than nothing at 21 to by the age of 33 being worth more than a million dollars. You better listen. I was about to say you ain't the preacher, but yes, you are the preacher. You better preach today to some of these people who are listening right now, because I always want them to get the message that you went from your worth less than nothing. Yeah. Somebody out here right now, whoever is listening right now, as the pastor say, to those under the sound of my voice. Come on now. If you are worth less, if you feel like you are worth less than nothing, you could turn your life around. My brother sitting right here. Bishop DeAndre Salter turned his life around by simply being obedient to the word of God. And we're going to get on that too, because we don't want to be so churchy, churchy, but sometimes it really is churchy, churchy. Yeah, but you know what? I, you know what? I, I say this. I, I'm kind of tired of that, that sentiment. Because well, I, I, tell, I tell the men in my church, you know, when I start talking to them about the success plans for life, I say, when what you did, when what you were doing starts working, I'll follow you. Oh. But you're <laughs> here now. So you need to follow me. And what I've done is do what the word says. The word says faith without works is dead. And the word says it's impossible to please God without faith. So the word means that uh, the, 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 the Bible is here for our benefit. And so we, ha we have to stop kind of putting it on the shelf when we need it. And we got to start having this kind of lifestyle. This is what blesses black families. This is what blesses black finances. We are a people of faith. It is in our DNA. Yes. The struggle uh, it's defined by our faith. We overcame by our faith. We'll overcome by our faith. And so, look, don't get me preaching this morning, but I, I, I'm not going to put it on the shelf. And by the way, this is how I am, Trey. This is why in corporate America, um, I say our allies or even non-allies, they hold me at a very high esteem. I am the bishop in the insurance industry mm. because they recognize he working with something different. And I want them to because I am working with something different. Yes. He working with something different. Y'all better listen here. Listen, I'm about, let, let me tell you this. <laughs> I've been on a financial fast, right? And I posted this in the group um, that my one of my coach runs. She's the um, founder of Girlfriends Pray. You may know DC Marshall because she's in Newark too. Mm -hmm. And I posted in her in a group that, you know, I'm asking God for more, so I'm spending less. Why do you right. think that we, and I know you're a financial expert, so I'm asking this question because it's hard for me not to spend when I, I don't even need the stuff, right? Because the advertisements are just coming. Why is it so hard for us to have that discipline of not spending when God gives us more? Because we think in a black culture, and correct me if I'm wrong, the more we get, the more we spend. So help me out there. Oh, man. So you, you step right in it. So let's jump in the deep side of the pool. I have a chapter in my book, chapter three, called Why a Million Dollars Right Now Will Destroy You, right? And so what I want to unpack real quick for y'all listening, I want to unpack three things for you. First of all, I want to unpack this term I define called money motion. So why do we spend, right, particularly in our context? And um, we have to realize that money is very emotional. This is why, you know, you know, there's a relationship. Like we talk about, you talk on your show a lot about relationships, right? So your audience should understand this. Brothers and sisters, we have a relationship with our money, our emotions. This is why when you buy something, there are endorphins released, there are chemicals being released in your body. Listen, don't tell me when you go to Louis Vuitton or Gucci or whatever you got to treat yourself with, you didn't walk out feeling like a million dollars, right? Likewise, there are negative emotions. When that bill comes in the mail, you don't even want to open the box. Oh. This is all happening on the inside. So left unidentified, this will lead us into an emotional bondage with our money that can lead to spiritual bondage. So there are two things I talk about. We have some emotions in the black community. I call them black kryptonite, 
right? Black kryptonite, you know, like Superman, kryptonite is bad for Superman. It takes his power away. Well, black kryptonite, the things that reduce us are fear, greed, false hope, and luck and wishing, which are big, right? Because we do a lot of that. Because luck and wishing don't require obedience and discipline. So we're always, this is why we're victims, Trey, of pyramid schemes, uh, these little pooling schemes, a little put your $100 in, I'll put my $100 in, and then 10 weeks later, I get the pot. See, we fall victim to all that because of false hope, luck, and wishing. Those things are black kryptonite. But then like Mary Mary, Mary Mary spoke about, there are black shackles, shame and embarrassment. So we also don't grow our financial knowledge because we're too shame of what we don't know. We're too embarrassed about what we don't know. And this leads us into a syndrome I call FPHS. Now I'm gonna say it again, FPHS. Watch this. We heard about Patty Hearst. Patty Hearst was a person that was kidnapped back in the day. And she was kidnapped so long that she grew an affection for kidnappers. So I have something now I call, talk about called financial Patty Hearst syndrome. It's when a person is taken captive by those by, 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 by black kryptonite and black shackles, these money emotions cause shame and embarrassment, and therefore they don't change. So they keep repeating the spending behavior, right? And so uh, we, we got to start there. There is a, we got to start to examine how we feel when we're doing things because these emotions are really owning us. We're not controlling our money. It's controlling us. Yep, it really is. That is good stuff because that is you, you are all in everything I was going to ask you. That was one, one of my favorite things that I read about the embarrassment and the shame, which yeah. leads to our financial ruin. Because I used to tell my son in the morning when I used to pray for him before he went to school, every morning we would just pray by the door and I would say to him, the smartest person in the room is the one that asked the question because he's not want to ask questions. And I used to tell him the smartest person in the room is the one that asked the question. You got to remember that. And I used to tell him that every single day, because for us with money, we want to keep up with the Joneses and pretend like we know. And we trying to keep up with the Joneses that's trying to keep up with the other Joneses, with the Joneses that don't got nothing. So thank you for that. So how do we change our mindset? How do we break the cycle of bad money habits? Because I'm, I'm asking for me. I don't know about nobody else because I was excited when Cordelia and Deidre reached out to me. I said, oh, a money expert. I need some help in that area because I'm actually in a space now where I'm starting to make a decent amount of money. Come on now. So that's why I said, you know, God, I'm going to spend less because I'm asking you for more. But every time you give me something and then boots pop up on Facebook, because <laughs> I don't know if they're in my head or whatever, they be my favorite boots, but I'm telling you for the last two weeks, I haven't bought anything on Amazon or anything. And I've started unsubscribing to this email. So how do we change these bad money habits? Well, uh, first it starts with identification. And, and before I unpack that, let me just say this. This is why I wrote the book um, because there are a lot of us. So my book speaks to people of every different uh, social economic level in the black diaspora. So it's not just for poor people and it's not for black folks that have, uh, you know, high paying jobs, right? It is for people, uh, for all of us, right? Because we're all some victims of what are internalized racism, behaviors yep. because of slavery that have almost been codified, uh, i.e. we talk about crabs in the barrel. Some of this stuff is codified. Uh, we talk about financial peacocking, which is the, what you describe as looking good for folks because that's what slaves slave masters used Ooh. to do they used to dress their slaves up to take them to church on sunday and so that good sunday suit was 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 a form of peacocking and so black peacocking. Peacocking. i'm sorry right. so financial peacocking trade is is a derivative of that it's doing the same thing with money in other words we do a lot with show for money 
um, because again, there's something happening on the inside. So here's where I begin. How do you break the cycle? Like all things, like, like how do you break the cycle of smoking? How do you break the cycle of alcoholism? Well, there has to be identification of the problem first, right? Because until your tooth hurts bad enough, you won't go see a dentist, oh. right? So my question for everybody out here today is how bad are you hurting financially? And are, is it hurting bad enough that you're willing to do something about the problem? And if you are, I want to start you with this thing called money scripts. And you can, by the way, you can do this on your own. Go to my website, theculturemoney.com uh, uh, and click on the download for helping you identify your money scripts. Trey, there are five money scripts. Money scripts are things. So let's unpack the emotions and the psychology a little bit more. Five things that are auto playing in our head. Okay. And I'm going to give you these five. And here, let's do this live. You can tell me which one you most identify with, and I'll make it safe for you. By the way, there's no right or wrong answer for this. Embrace yourself. It is what it is, right? But here's what identification does. It, it helps you to begin the first step to possibly changing it because you know what it is. You can't change what you don't know, all right? So here we go, five. The first one is money avoidance. I'll talk about this. It's the belief that money is bad or you don't deserve money. Right. So these are the type of people that, you know, they just believe money is the root of all evil. You hear that a lot. Money's the root of all evil. Money's bad. Or they feel like no matter what they get, they don't deserve it. Right. So they just avoid conversations about money. They don't want to read about money. They don't really want to talk about money. It's there, but I don't want to deal with it. Then there's money worship. A lot of us fall in this category. This is the person that believes money will solve all their problems. So a lot of hustlers fall into this category. They just believe that if I get more money, my problems go away. But the problem is that's what a lot of NFL athletes thought until they made 30 for 30, showing us that they were broke after five years. Money hmm. did not make their problems go away. And this person believes that there's never enough money. So they have a side hustle, a side hustle, a side hustle, and a side hustle because they just need more money. Money won't solve their problems. Then there's money status. Some of us fall into this category. We believe that owning the newest and the best things speak about our status. We want to preach with our possessions. We let yeah. our possessions preach, right? So, you know, we have to wear the rolly, but it's, you know, it's still on credit. You know, we have to drive the bins, but it's still being financed, right? Yeah. But, but we want to speak. So we want to influence and because it ministers to us. But then there's money vigilance. My wife falls into this category, right? She embraces frugality. Uh, my wife, like you give her $2, she can have $2 for 38 years. Like she's just that type of, <laughs> every designer thing she has, Trey, she, she don't even know who they are. I end up researching stuff, blessing her with it, buying it for her. And she's like, okay, that's cool. If it blesses you for me to have it. Great. I don't need all that. She's money vigilance. This means these people recognize the importance of saving. And they probably had that grandma that reached down in here like this. She always had a few right. dollars down in there. Right. And then she gave that right. to you. And she always had money. You knew who to go to. It's that grandma. Yes. My wife is like that woman. So they keep quiet about money and they don't brag a lot and they, they embrace saving, but they also don't take a lot of risks, right? They don't really invest a lot. It's all in the can. Now here's the big one. And, and so the big one that I talk about in my book is called money reparations. Now, this is where I fall. Uh, we believe us money reparations folk that money ministers to our past wounds. Subconsciously, it ministers, it heals. And, it, and its primary purpose is for me to get reparations for stuff done to me. Now I'm gonna tell you how this sounds in your mind. It sounds like I deserve this. Like when you're out there buying it, you know it's gonna stretch you, but there's something to say, well, you know what, after all I've been through, some phraseology like that, 
I deserve it. Yes. And you feel it. Like you can feel that emotion. It's like, you know what, man, I, I need to treat myself. You know what? I've been working hard. You know what? I, I mean, all that is this, the suppressed emotion about being locked out. And so we spin yes. the minister. We want reparations and we're not getting it from the government in corporate America. So we give it to ourselves. <laughs> yes. I'm a combination of the last two. A little bit. Yeah. And they can overlap. I'm yeah, I'm a combination of the last two, but I'm trying. I'm trying to not be both of them things, but a little bit of them because, you know, I need to save, but I have been working really hard over the last six years. So I'm like, okay, I, sh I should be able to get myself that. But then, like you said, at the end of the day, when the bills come in, you don't want to open up the bill because you're like, oh, because them shoes I bought is the whole amount of the phone bill. So if but I was going to talk about it. Right. Yeah. So that's that's good stuff. Go ahead, finish. No, I'm saying you should have that though. See, my message, here's why financial advice is mainly broken, why the culture of money is a different kind of movement, right? Everybody wants to talk about restriction. I don't talk that much about saving because in general, black folks don't have a saving problem. We have an income problem. So oh. black women make 55 cents on the dollar compared to 55 to 60 cents on the dollar compared to, to white men. Uh, black men make, you know, 80, 75 to 80 cents on a dollar compared to white men. We last high first fire. Everybody keep telling us to save, stay save, and act like because we want to treat ourselves, we don't know what we're doing. Some of that is ministering to us. Now, again, it's bad uh, ministry because, again, we can't afford it. There's a way to do it. So my message is I'm not trying to tell black people to level down. I'm, I'm speaking life. I'm trying to tell you how to get it. I'm trying to tell you how to have the Tesla and afford it. I'm trying to teach you how to let Tesla buy your Tesla by buying the stock before you buy the car. I, you know, oh. so I, I'm talking about living at that level, but there's a way to get it. So I want you to have the red bottoms. I, I want that for you. That will, we need that. We have, we different from everybody else. We got to feel good about ourselves. I don't care what nobody says. So yes. we may need the red bottoms, but there's a way to get the red bottoms and the red bottoms can't come before rent. So we need to be focusing on ownership and we need to be focused on increasing our income. We'll get to budgeting problems later, but most of us can't get blood from a rock. We don't have enough to budget with. Oh man, I, listen, this is so good. If you just tuned in, you're tuned into my series, Men Hurt Too, and I'm here with Bishop Andre Salter. He has wrote a book, Culture of Money, teaching us meshing the spiritual with the practical on how we can get from where we are to where we want to be financially and being able to celebrate ourselves, but doing it the right way. And this episode is brought to you by Leader Level Podcast. How can a powerhouse woman under pressure tune into her pleasure? Can you be sharp in the boardroom and soft in the bedroom? Tune into the Leader Love a podcast hosted by Cherie Spiegner, where she will discuss all aspects of Black women having it all, relationships, career, status, religion, spirituality, love, and sex. You can join the Leader Love a podcast now. It has launched yesterday on all platforms. If you want more information, DM on Instagram, Leader and Lover. So if we are here today talking about Black people and money, let's just be frank here. So tell me this, Bishop, and Bishop is the youngest Bishop in New Jersey. I love to give people the accolades, especially my Black brothers. I'm an advocate for Black men, and I am proud of you, of, of all the things that you have accomplished from bankruptcy to millions, and that you would, and this is my next question, that you would be responsible and share this information with the community, right? So, so many of us, we find our way in the area and we like, okay, I'm good. I got my money, my kids got their money. 
My, my, one of my friends, she's an autism advocate. I have a son on the spectrum. That's not my wheelhouse. You know, I know some stuff and I ain't going around telling people. Why was it so important for you to not just say Bishop and, and First Lady got their cake? Whatever y'all doing too bad for y'all. Why was it important for you to, to spread this news to the community and to other black people? Man, you're going to make me cry with that. And that's, that's, that's no cap. Um, uh, a white gentleman uh, who's a friend of the family um, who um, sold his business years ago, millions of dollars, millions of dollars, said um, to one of my family members, I don't know why he's doing this. And, and, and I was wondering why he said that. And he unpacked it. He said, because people like us, successful people, particularly people who don't want, we don't do this. We like to make our money stay in the background. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we donate money. We don't, we don't get involved. We don't do this. And, uh, and my response to him was, yeah, but I'm called to this because this is my journey. And for too long, I put a lid on it. Now, let me tell you why I put a lid on it. I also had to come to grips with embracing me because number one, I put a lid on it, Trey, because there's so much shenanigans out there and I didn't want to be caught up in no prosperity preaching type stuff. And I didn't want to be caught up in the negativity of, oh, look at him, look how he living, all the preacher wanted my money. Um, and then I put a cap on it because I'm very, I'm a very sensitive person to plight. And sometimes, this is a whole other episode, sometimes your shine can cause shade. When the sun shines, oh. it casts a shade. Now you may be in the shade upset with me, but I'm just shining. I'm not trying to shade you. I'm trying to, if, if you would, I can bring you into the sun with me. Um, now, if you choose to stay in that shade, hating on me, I, I can help you sometimes. So, so because, you know I mean? I, I, it, this was so deep for me. I had, I paid cash for a Bentley one time, but I, and it was at a time also when my, a few years later, my congregation was struggling. So I got rid of the Bentley because again, I felt something parking at Bentley Arnage in front of the church when I knew there was folks still suffering. So I put a lid on it. But in this season, this project been for a long time, God's message to the people is simply this. Proverbs 3.22, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for good people. So it's mm. God's will and desire that we are good people, that we live blessed lives, and that we leave something behind. And so I'm called to this. Why? There's no other reason. You're right. I, ain't, I don't have to do this. But I'm also tired of the games with us. Everybody, look, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. We got a lot of hustlers out here telling folk they fake. They don't really have it. The life is all fake. They're trying to sell a kit and sell a seminar and sell a, a, you know, a, little, you know, a little master class on how to get something that they really don't have. Um, because I'm in, the, I'm in the circles and I don't see them. I mean, I'm in the circles of wealth and I really don't see some of these people and don't nobody know their name, but they're taking money from people who just have hope. See that false hope, man, we'll buy anything. We'll listen to anything. Cause we, it's like playing a lottery for us. We just hoping we're going to hit it big. And people are taking advantage of that emotion in black folks. And so I want to free us. And that's why I call it financial healing. I want us healed. I, I, I'm tired of seeing black people suffer. God is tired of seeing black people suffer. God did not make you suffer. God has set it up for you to prosper. And so I'm unpacking every, I pour my soul into this. I hid nothing from you because this is what freed me and I know will free you. And it's freed countless others in my church and beyond 
to, to walk in a new freedom. So that's why I do it. It's, this is my heart. Uh, I love it. I love, I love when we get to be on purpose, when God shows us our purpose and we're obedient. And like you said, a lot of times when you are walking in purpose, you shine. Mm-hmm. Not even intentionally, because when God wants you to do something, he going to shine a light on you and he don't expect you to cover it up. But so many people make you feel. And the Bible says our feelings are wicked. And so many people make you feel like you got to shrink down. And I had to come out of that, too. So I just, I'm so glad that you have decided, like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm financially handling my life the right way so I can buy a Bentley. I'm not taking the money from the church. I work every single day. I save, I tithe, I I, I do my thing. I don't spend whatever. And when I deserve something, I get to do it for my obedience to God because God does want us to live life good as Christians. And if I like a Bentley, I should be able to get one if I decided to work hard. I didn't take no money from nobody. And that's what the black mentality is. Oh, he driving a Bentley. He must be taking the church people money and all the people in the church is poor. The people in the church are not doing well because they're not financially handling their money properly. Sometimes, sometimes that, that is definitely, a, that's definitely a part of it. Um, but also again, there are, uh, I don't ignore even in my book, the systemic issues. There's yeah. some of them that are doing really well considering what they have. Like my message to the world is if this is what we can do with, with, with the restrictions, with the restrictions mm. that are placed on us, imagine what we can do when we really get the hunt, the same salary you get. And we don't get discriminated in the interview because you know my hair is uh, twisted or um, because I have a beard and a, and, and a goatee or because my skin is a certain hue. Imagine if you remove all that, what we can do, then we can start having the same problems as other people. I see, I want sometimes the problems other people have. I'm tired of the black people problems. I want some of the wealthy people problems for <laughs> us all to experience, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes it's that, but you know, Trey, you know, I. You know, I didn't even take, I've been pastoring Impact Church in South Plainfield for about 14 years. I just started letting them bless me with what they call a, they, they have a, a fund and it's free will, uh, maybe about two years ago. Wow. Uh, for about 13 years, 12, 13 years, I didn't take anything for that very reason. Um, hmm. Matter of fact, my name still is not on a church bank account. I don't, I don't manage that. The treasurers handle all that business. I don't approve nothing. I don't decline nothing. Uh, I got enough with the IRS always watching me thinking the same thing as everybody else thinking that I'm getting something from the church and, and, and that kind of thing. So no, God, God is blessed, but I, I'll tell you what has happened, man, the people, they bless me. They bless yeah. me even, and they recognize, well, it's not because, oh, well, he don't need it. They bless me because of the blessing I am in their life. And they just want to say, thank you. And I used to reject that, but I receive it now because I know what, I don't want to limit their generosity and, 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 contaminate their heart and make them selfish if they want to bless me free will i receive free will but i'm still not on any official salary i just like to bless folk i know that's right listen here this book the culture of money do y'all listen you got to get this you've got to get this book to feel the book the book feel like money i just got to say it when i got my book in the mail and i opened it i said look at this book you you can't be talking about money and send me no paperback like you know, I, I would have took the paperback, but when I saw the book, I felt it. I said, oh my goodness, I'm about to be rich because he about to give me some stuff. And there's some good stuff in here. You know, I got my little tabs in here. 
One of the things you said, embracing these emotions will cause you to ask fewer questions, to pretend to be and know too much and end with your financial ruin. Because we were talking about us being embarrassed and ashamed. And, I, and you talked about that. I got this highlighted. I said, oh man, that was for me, God. Because you know, sometimes when your credit score ain't right, you don't want to tell people you got a 425. But in order to get from the 425, you got to tell somebody. Well, let me let me give you another angle on this. So I'm now uh, at the level where I invest a lot with private equity investors and I have a circle of high net worth investors. And I'm the only black one in the circle. In fact- Wait, 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 uh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on for one second. So you're talking language that some of us, some of us never heard. See, this this the language we need to hear. No, I'm being 100% for real. I'm a girl from the I'm from Essex County, New Jersey. I live in East Orange, Irvington, North, Bloomfield, Montclair. Mama was a Rolling Stone. We was on welfare. So sometimes we had to leave in the middle of the night. So I was from, you know, I know to get up in the morning, we get ready to pack, move, because mommy can't pay the rent. We got the food stamps. You got to go to the corner store and be embarrassed. You speak in language right now. Like, this is the language that we need to hear that we don't understand. You said you were in financial wealth groups. Come, come yeah. on now. Right. So, so the way it works, right, um, when you get to a certain level of wealth, you have access to investments that are not on the market. So, you know, anybody can invest in the stock market, but not everybody can invest in the stocks before they go, go to the market. So, in other words, uh, I have the ability because I'm, I'm a qualified high net worth investor, qualified investor. I can invest in Facebook before it goes public, right? Because that's not restricted from me because of the prior investments I've made in my investment history. And, by, and, and the truth is because some white folks vouch for me because the trick to the game is you can't even be a private equity investor or a high net worth investor uh, unless another high net worth investor has qualified you. Right. So so the game is we're locked out a lot of this. So thus the Jay-Z that when you hear like Jay-Z started a private equity fund or you hear this person done a private equity fund or they invested in a private equity fund, that's what happens. Somebody brought them in. And once you trade, get into these investment circles, there are other investments. Now, I say all that for a reason, not to brag, not to boast, but I want I want to get to your point about about shame and embarrassment and not knowing. I didn't know anything I just told you. But um, there's a white gentleman that I knew in Atlanta. He was a CEO of a, a large insurance company, became a really good friend of mine. And um, he started, you know, getting me into some other investments. And then my sister, prior to him, my sister Cordelia, um, she introduced me to some guys in Hoboken, New Jersey, who was starting a fund to invest all them high rises you see, we invested in those, right, in Hoboken. They used to flip them and refurbish them back in the day. She got me in as the only black investor in that fund because she used to be a financial planner. So my point is, watch this. The two things that shifted was A, who I knew. And let me say this real quick. If you want to be wealthy, stop stop listening to, I'm not saying stop hanging around, but stop listening to broke folk. Uh, you got to start hearing, faith comes by hearing. So you got to come, you got you to start hearing people like me, people who get, now you say, how do you get in these circles? Well, you're in one right now. I just brought you in. Uh, Trey and I just brought you in. So now you're in the circle, right? And so you could communicate with us and, and DM us and ask us financial questions or ask us relationship questions. Uh, take advantage of it. Because here's what happens in these investment circles. It's, I don't know a lot all the time, but I ask a lot. And so my daddy used to call it playing possum. He says, son, down south, when we used to go hunting in the woods, um, you could be in the woods at night and a possum, one time a possum was hanging behind uh, my brother's head. 
Nobody saw it. You know that possum sat there around that fire and listened to the whole conversation we had? He said, son, sometimes around white folk, you got to learn to be a possum. I'm not saying keep your head down. I'm saying learn to listen. Mm. Learn to listen. And then he said, start asking questions. And so I, I carried that with me and I asked a lot of questions. So shame and embarrassment will keep you locked out of opportunities because you need more. Watch this. Some of you saying, well, I don't have financial capital. But you know what you can start working on? You need no money for this? Social capital. Social capital is people because God blesses us through people. There's no such thing, Trey, as a self-made person. You're going to need somebody. I didn't get here by myself. God put people in my life. But if I was too scared or too shamed or too embarrassed to ask the question, to shake the hand, to introduce myself, then I'm missing the social capital blessing that God was giving me to unlock some of my financial blessing. Did that help you? I hope that did. I'm sorry. I don't know about nobody else, but I'm taking notes because some of this I don't know, and I need to go look it up after we get done. I'm here. Listen, this we just not here to just have these conversations. We are here to help black families and black men through black men heal financially, spiritually, emotionally, so that they can begin to lead again. People think black men can't lead because black men don't got money or they don't know how to maintain money. We got a brother on here right now, our youngest bishop in New Jersey that know how to maintain money, know how to make money, just invited you to a circle. Now, if you ain't smart enough to inbox him a question, and it might be a billable moment, right? Because listen, you, I, you just can't sit and talk to me for hours. I'll give you a free 15 minute consultation. And if you think I'm good on the information, we could schedule some coaching sessions. Come but on now. Serious, same thing with you. This, this, we got to feed our families too. Unfortunately, we can't give everything away for free. But you hear right now, you're hearing some things. And if you're not taking notes, you are not the smartest person in the room. Because this is, this should be a billable moment. That's all I'm saying. This is some information that everybody ain't given. This is the secrets. So I want to ask this question as us, as black people, should we be demanding that or suggesting in the school system that financial literacy be taught in our schools? We certainly should. And this is why. Um, so the, the culture of money is a nonprofit, right? So the nonprofit behind the whole movement is uh, TCOM Global Outreach, right? And so that is actually one of our advocacy points. Uh, we're also financially ignorant and illiterate because again, they don't teach it in schools, right? So if they don't teach it in schools, where are we gonna learn about money? We're gonna learn about money experientially. Now, if you grew up where I grew up, the city of Newark, Bellsburg section, uh, down the hill, um, you know, before moving to Bellsburg, then most of the people that had the most money were the drug dealers. And right. so if, if that's your financial modeling, then you're gonna repeat those behaviors. And if most of your financial modeling comes from uh, trying to chase down a utility truck so they can get your lights back on. Mm. These are the behaviors, no matter how much money you get, you're going to repeat those behaviors. So financial education breaks that. And so we need our kids to learn this early, but we can't skip over adults. Everybody wants to ask me the same question. Well, how do you get rich? How do you get rich? I'm telling you, you cannot skip over. Our three principles are no more, own more, pass down more in that order. Why? You can't pass down what you don't own and you can't own stuff that you don't know about. Yes. So they're in order. You want to get money? You, your children, your children's children. I created those principles to pass down in every black generation. We got to start with financial knowledge. We have to know more. It's not enough to hear GameStop is, is, is hot and people making money on Robinhood and you go in there and lose your shirt because you don't know what you're doing. Right. You, it's not enough. It's not enough to read, um, you know, every tweet and every uh, IG post. Uh, and, and like stuff 
without taking notes, like you say, and start to research stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I think every adult and every child should be reading at least one financial article a week. And, and you should be highlighting terms that you don't understand and, and, and find a financial dictionary online. There's millions of them. Uh, one I recommend is Investopedia. And I go to Investopedia constantly, investopedia.com, right? You go to investopedia.com and you look up that financial term and then you, you study it. And because the Bible does say study and show yourself approved, right? While it's talking about rightly dividing the word of God, as black folks, we also have to rightly divide uh, the financial knowledge. We have to understand because we're suffering because we don't know. So yes, we should be pushing schools to teach it. And we should, we should until the schools teach it, what the culture of money is preaching is you've got to learn it and you've got to teach it to your children. Because by the way, most of black folks have learned have been passed down to them. That's why they influence culture so much. I'm tired of us influencing culture for fashion, for food, for, for swag, for dip, for drip and swag and everything else we got, but we don't influence it for money. When you think about black folks, you don't think about money. Right. You sure we're about to change that conversation now because we got to embrace knowing as much about money as we do about soul food, knowing as much about money as we do about church, knowing as much about money as we do about fashion, knowing as much as money as we do about music so that they know us as the culture of money. That's what the world should know us as the culture of money. Culture of money. Man, that's a whole movie. I, I I saw the whole script in front of my face just now. I didn't see Jay. You write, you write it. Let's produce it. Let's go. Yeah, I didn't see Jay Z walking in and all kind of people, the, the founders of Fubu, all of it, the culture of money. Let's we can go on someplace with that. How do we change our community spending? How do we even, you know, we go to, and this is the thing about black people, and, and we got to talk about these things, not to bash black people, but this has been instilled in us. We go to the beauty supply store that's owned by another race. Uh, go to the liquor store. And all of this stuff is in our community. I, w- I was somewhere. I went to the chiropractor. And I was going to meet with my, my best friend. It was her birthday. And she just lost her mom. So I, I wanted to surprise her. So I'm in a community, a white community. I'm like, you know, I'm so used to seeing liquor stores in Black communities on every corner. I'm driving. I'm like, why can't I find the liquor store? I'm like, this is crazy. I found one liquor store that didn't have what I wanted. So I'm like, wow. So I finally got closer to the black community and saw three liquor stores. So how do we spend, how do we change our community spending instead of going into these liquor stores, these beauty supply stores, these Chinese restaurants? When do we own and how do we do that? Well, yeah, ownership is everything, right? And so we got to move from a catchy phrases like buying black, by the way, buy black was a real movement created in 1955. It's not, it's, it's not new. Um, a sociologist, a brother um, came up with that whole theory about um, developing closed circuit economies. And so that's what we call it, it's closed circuit. Closed circuit means recycling money in a community. So we have, to, we have to have a closed circuit mindset, right? Now, let me tell you what I mean by closed circuit mindset. So I'm drinking coffee, right? I'm on coffee with tea and I'm drinking coffee. This coffee that I'm drinking is from a black brewer, a coffee roaster in San Francisco. I only drink coffee owned by black owned coffee makers. Why? Because I want to keep the money in the community and I buy it in bulk. I buy it as much as I can, right? And so I go to Three Keys Coffee and I go get my coffee because I think they have incredible grinds and I'm a coffee guy, right? W.E.B. Du Bois said this in 1912 essay. He said, I'm in Durham where there's a single group of black people. And he says, there's a black man gets up in the morning and he buys a mattress made by a black man. He lives in a house built by a black man, built from lumber, bought from a black man, cut down by black men. 
This is the picture of a closed circuit economy. So it's not just buying black to send a message. It is a fundamental community shift to say, we got to invest in black businesses and recycle black dollars in community, but here's why. Not Listen, black folks are the largest employer, by my calculations, of black people, only second to the, the federal government. So a lot of black folks have federal jobs. And without the federal government opening up in the, in the 50s and the 60s, we would be in a far worse situation. But second to the federal government it are black businesses. And watch this. If black people just spend 10% more, 10% more, a tithe, with black businesses, by my calculations, it would create a million more jobs. Wow. Black jobs from black businesses create a million more jobs. So it's important. So the culture of money, I use a, a independent black publishing company based in Atlanta. The design is by a black brother down in Florida. The, 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 my, my website and graphics, black designer, my, my photos, black photographer, uh, my hair and makeup for the photos, black stylist, black makeup artist, black, black editors, black proofreaders, all those people got the feed off of this project, right? Mm. Because it was important that they make money as I make money because I've, I'm now in the economy of, uh, of creating money in my community. And this is why you don't have to see by Asian signs. Right. You know, by, you know, by, by other type of signs. But the Asian grocery stores that are popping up everywhere, the reason they can do that is they don't need nobody else to come to those stores because they know if they put out Asian grocery, Asian people are going to come get there what they need and keep them sustainable and those dollars stay in the community. That's what we got to do, man. More than just after George Floyd, like every day, buy black coffee, buy black books, you know, support black churches. By the way, Sabra, can I please say this? I know I'm talking a lot, but I have please, to say no, this. Come on, this is your time. Can I keep it real? Yes. All right. I want to minister to the black folks out there who found it necessary to go to white suburban churches. I understand you feel a sense of healing because white folks not staying at you in the church service. So missionally, they invite you in as a mission project. And then when you're there worshiping with them, you know, uh, they want to say that everybody's the same. And, and that's kind of healing after being told that you weren't even equal. And then the worship of people that treat you the same. But here's the problem. We're also not supporting with our tithes and our offering, our generosity, um, the local black churches that are probably paying Aunt Janie's light bill when her light gets cut off or taking mm. groceries by the seniors or helping out sister so-and-so when her rent is late or brother so-and-so who needs a car to get to his new job. See, there's small local black churches that need those dollars. So if you're serious about creating closed circuit economies, even from a religious standpoint and supporting our faith institutions, those dollars ought to be in the black community. So I'm not telling you not to go to the white church. I'm saying still send your money to the black community. That's all I'm saying. I know that's right. Closed circuit. Listen, we, we learned it today. Closed circuit mindset, private equity investor. I don't know if y'all writing down this stuff, a fina financial peacocking. You running around here strutting your stuff and ain't got no money in the bank, ain't no zeros in your account. We not doing that no more. We not living fake book. Um, we um, live in faith book because we need to get it together real quick right now. So if you just tuned in, you tuned into Men Hurt to the series. I'm here with the bishop, and this is his book, The Culture of Money. If you feel this book, I listen, I'm so mad at myself because my book don't feel like this. I'm just saying presentation is everything. You can't go to a beautician and her hair look crazy. You know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> you can't go to the culture of money in a book not like this. Because if I got a book that wasn't like, I wouldn't even be believing you right now. I'd just be like, he sent me this. But this book right here, and I was reading it last night so I could take some little notes. You know, I said, wait a minute. This is so easy to read. It's so practical. Yeah. Because we think as Black people, and, and we got to talk about us as Black people, we think it's hard to understand finances, which scares us off. Yes. I just want to tell everybody, listen, the culture of money, this book is very practical and very easy to understand. And what I love about the book, because me as a Christian, I don't need to know your thoughts. I mean, it just I need to know you, but I need to know where your thoughts came from. And for me to know that your thoughts came from the truth, which is the word of God on finances, I'm good with you. Because every time somebody tell me something that's supposed to be a specialist or an expert, mm-hmm. I said, where you get that from? Is that in the Bible? Because if it ain't in the Bible, I done been through, listen, I've been down some dark alleys and some dead ends listening Amen. to folks. Amen. Folks who were biblically on a foundation, theirs came from the truth. I've been successful in that. So I'm like, where you get that from? But when I'm looking through your book and I see reference to the Bible, I'm like, okay, I'm good with him. I'm going to try that because he didn't say it. Jesus said it. So I I just love the book because it's faith-based and I could track the information back to the truth. Bless you. Thank you. Let's see. And you said in your book, I I, I got some things on here. I'm just going to go through them because our time is running down so quick. But this is the stuff that I liked. Got it. Do more than pray on it. (laughs) What you don't know is killing you. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Talking about borrowing money. Faith demands you to do the work yourself. Shame and embarrassment are black shackles. So what? tell me what hit you just now, the most important thing, because I, I just need these people on here to understand that you can be wealthy. Yeah, you got to do more than pray on it. I mean, listen, I've had enough uh, pray for me uh, that God give me a financial breakthrough. Now we got to unpack that for a second. And if God gave you a financial breakthrough, um, how would you handle it? So in other words, um, what God, we got to give God something to work with. So think of your life as a basket of fruit. You got to have some fruit that God can pull out and bless. But if you offering up an empty basket, then what is he supposed to reach in there and bless on you? So, so faith, that's, that's another picture of faith without works is dead. So in other words, if you believe it's going to rain, leave the house with an umbrella. If you believe you want to be financially blessed, then you got to start I, I'm, right now. Some of you need to sow a seed of study. You know what your first work is? It, whether it's reading this book or reading the financial blogs and articles I talk about. If you really want to be blessed, do what I did. Start studying. Start reading. Stop telling yourself what you can't do, what you don't know. You know, finance, learning finance is, you know, is easier than high school math. It is actually true. High school math is technically harder. So if you got through high school math, even if it was barely, then you can barely get through financial knowledge and financial literacy. And you got to commit to go to God with a basket with increasing financial literacy. Let God touch that financial literacy, that financial knowledge and pull out of you opportunities that you can actually take advantage of. Because if he bless you with a million dollars tomorrow and you don't know nothing then what good is that? That's not the testimony he wants. He wants to bless you with a million that you turn it into 10 million to turn around and pull up some others and help them become millionaires just like you. That's his real plan. So start with that. You can't just pray on it. You've got to put faith into action. That's it. My mother used to tell me all the time, listen, God is not a genie. You're not rubbing no magic lamp. Come she used on. to tell me that because I used to be like, you know, I'm praying about my mother. God is not a genie. 
too many of us is out here wishing and too many of us is out here hoping we hit the lottery. And God is like, I have given you gifts and talents inside of you that could produce more than any lottery ticket ever. And we see this and it's a prime example. And I maybe you can explain this to us real quickly. You see people hit the lottery, get $12 million, $2 million, and then you see them three years on the news broke. Yep. What happened? What, what happened? It's back to what is what, what, what was the blessing to be sustained? If you don't know, we see the same thing with athletes. We see the same thing with entertainers. How many more black entertainers do we see have to die and we find out that they had no estate plan and then the government or the courts took all the money and then some stranger showed up and then fought the family for the estate or like Red Fox or other great ones, they died broke and penniless after making so much money. It's because we want to skip over the work. We want to, we want to skip over no more. I cannot say that enough. No more, no more, no more, no more, no more. No more is free. You don't need no money. You don't need a corporate job. You don't need to make it six figures. You can no more right now, even if you're on welfare. You can get off of welfare by no more. You can get from six figures to seven figures by no more. There ain't no way in this world, my dear children, that no more is going to hurt you. I love it. Do you have t-shirts that say no more? I'm we, get ready, we, we get ready to put some stuff on, on the culturemoney.com website to raise money for the, for, 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 for the organization so we can do more advocacy because we want to do kind of what you said. We, you know, we're going to be getting in schools and we have a curriculum coming out for adults, but we're also going to be partnering with some other organizations as we gain funding to um, go into the schools because if they're not going to do it, we're going to take it to them. But we're also oh. going to be creating financial uh, literacy programs for churches. So right now I'm finishing up a curriculum uh, called the Wealth Track that if a church wants to do financial ministries, all they have to do is start teaching the wealth track in their church and um, we'll help people get that knowledge that they need. This is amazing because I need my no more t-shirt. I just need to be walking around with that on so, so my black people can see, listen, no more, it's free. It's free to no more, you know that commercial, free, 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 free. No <laughs> more people, listen. Y'all go on Google to find out how to do your hair, how to do your nails. <laughs> Y'all going on here learning how to roll cigars. Right. Come on now, go on Google and start Googling some financial stuff on how to get your money right. And if you don't know, you need to go order this book, The Culture of Money. Listen, because we need to know, as like the book black, okay? I'm black, you black. Our black people need to black on up and get their money right. I'm just saying, I thank you so much for being here. We have seven minutes left and I want to give you that seven minutes mostly to you first to just please give them what's the best message that you want to give people not about the culture of money and the best message you want to give our black people about just finances in particular, because you're a financial expert. So I'm trying to get all that I could get from this. Yeah. Um, so about the culture of money, the, the, the best message I want you to know is this is, this is not cookie cutter. This is not regurgitated financial advice you heard before. It's written from a true black perspective and it's written to help black people save their lives now and in the future. I want to future proof the black race. By some estimates, Trey, what we're looking at is an extinction level event. Everybody talks about this wealth gap, but people don't really understand what it is. It's very simply this. The average white family has 13 times more wealth than the average black family. And mm. so that's a huge gap to make up. But what nobody's talking about is the transfer of that wealth. In 25 years, more money is going to transfer from one generation to another than at any other point in history. I call it the wealth transfer tsunami. A tsunami means to wipe you out, which means if you're 20 today, you'll be 45 and you're going to wake up 
You're gonna have a competitive disadvantage in the marketplace because some white person is going to have inherited 13 times more money than you from day one. And they mm. can use that money to start a business, be better capitalized than you. They can pay for their kids' college education to perpetuate the wealth in their cycles and have that education paid for and need no student loans. This is what it looks like for us. So this is a wake up call. Wake up, wake up, wake up. We gotta be the culture of money. We influence culture for everything else. And now's the time for money. Now for, 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 for black folks in general, I say this is also a season for the black family and a season for black men, right? Because I just think um, our God created design is to be um, innovators, creators, but most importantly, to be cultivators. Um, when God creates Adam, he tells him in Genesis 2 15 to tend and keep the garden. In the Hebrew, those words mean to cultivate. It means God gives you raw materials, but he equips you the stuff inside of you to develop a, the chaos around you and form it into life. So I, I want to speak to life forming men, men who speak life, men who create life. And, and, and not in the baby making way. I'm talking about with words, with affirmations, with conduct, with character, with behaviors. And imagine, imagine black men and black women being financially free. What greater testimony can we have? Because we gotta be real. Today, in this world of influence and social media influencers, hey, the thing that's really gonna get somebody's attention is your blessed life. Let's not mince words about it. Uh, a broke right. life don't look as good on the internet as a blessed life. It don't look as good. They don't put broke folks on TV to sell stuff. They put blessed folks on TV. So if we want to get in that conversation, we got to be more blessed. This is God's plan for us. So this is about family healing. This is about saving and future-proofing Black generations to come. That's what we're here for. Man, you have dropped the mic on so many things. And I hope everybody that was listening got something from this, that you are capable of being able to be financially, beyond financially stable. You are capable of being wealthy if you just believe in yourself and you do the work. God is not a genie. Faith without works is dead. Nobody, money's not gonna pour out of the sky, but you do have the ability inside you. You have gift and purpose. We all here on purpose for a purpose. We just gotta figure that thing out. And I know you talked a little bit about that in your book about identity. I really mm -hmm. wanna get into that too, but no, our time is running out. So please tell, go ahead, go ahead. I, I heard, I saw a breath. I need you to do this, everybody. Please do this. All right. So if you responded and resonated to what we've talked about today, here's a step you need to take to shift your mentality just right now. Go to theculturemoney.com, click on the pledge. And you don't have to read the book that takes this pledge. Take a pledge from this day forward to, here's your faith in action, to know more, to own more, to pass down more. You may not fully understand that until you read the book, but you can take that pledge today. I would love for you to take the pledge. If pledge is free, take it, take it, take it. Make a statement with the rest of us. We want millions of Black folks to take this pledge so we can hold each other accountable. And, you know, I can't wait to be able to say, hey, we have a million Black folks that are serious about what God is doing in their lives. And so I want you to take that pledge because that is part of this new identity that we walk into, a blessed identity where we don't just say it, we do something about it. Yes. Now tell everybody where they can find the book. Tell everybody where they can find you for your church. Cause I, I, people need Jesus right now. This, this pandemic got us going crazy. Like we having some problems in our homes with loneliness and, and losing hope and all. So please tell us where they can find a book and where they can find you, where you preaching at and all that other good stuff. 
Well, listen, book has just come out. Uh, we're, we're almost nearing 30 days of our release. We just went over 2,000 copies sold already. It's flying off the shelves, praise God. Uh, but you can get it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, um, all those places that sell books. Um, soon to be available in audiobook format as well. So stay tuned. Um, but 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 it, the ebook, uh, paperback and hard copy available. Uh, I pastor at Impact Church. We're, right now we're meeting online every Sunday, 8.30, 10.30. You can go to impactww.church. Um, tune in. Uh, we have an incredible series starting this week. Um, uh, we're doing a table talk series on embracing yourself and your identity. Woo, wait, I wish we could talk. We're going to talk again because the behind the scenes talk I'm sorry. We didn't, I didn't, that. we didn't even get into that yet. We didn't even get into that, but they're going to hear about that soon because I was blessed behind the scenes with you. So I thank you so thank much you. for your time. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your knowledge. And I thank you for your truth because Bless Men to the series is a safe place for men to share their truth. And I am honored that you would come here and give up your time because that is the one thing that we can't get back. People value a lot of things, but me, myself, I value people's time so much because it is an honor to be in your presence and it is a privilege to be in your life because that's exactly what it is. We don't have to allow everybody in our space. So I thank Deidre and Cordelia because Cordelia is my girl. Listen, her energy, her spirit, I just love her so much. And I just thank you that she felt the need that, and this is not her first time trying to connect us, but God's timing is always on time. So, that's right. Um, Donovan, Deidre Tate, the baddest PR marketing team in the land, bar none. That's right. Two black women. It's all black. It's black. black. It's all black in the black country. Right here. Right. Look at here. Call your money. It's black. Deidre, listen. So we'll talk again soon. Let me just let you um, give a final word. Here's the final word. Listen, it ain't over yet. There's still one more move on the board. And that is move that God is directing you to. This is our season, y'all. The world has shifted. Everything we know it has changed. So don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Tomorrow is a better day than yesterday if you're willing to fight for it. Yes. Thank you so much, Bishop DeAndre. I appreciate you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Men Her Too, brought to you by hashtag Coffee with Tea. And this was sponsored by Leader and Lover Podcast, hosted by Sharice Spigner, now available on all um, streaming platforms, podcast platforms. Go to your favorite one and just support Leader and Lover. And I will see you guys next time. I am Trey Kearney. I love you. Peace and blessings. Remember what I tell you at the end of all my broadcasts. You deserve the best. Yes, I'm talking to you. You deserve the best. Now go get it. Peace and blessings. And remember Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Peace and blessings. Thank you.